Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the first edition of the SC Playbook Weekly Wrap Podcast. Uh, my name's Wilson Carlos, and many of you loyal SC Playbook listeners will know me as Walsh, uh, basically the guy who got beaten by Desi Creek for the overall Supercoach winner in the 2019 season. Shout out to Desi there. Uh, well, since then, I've been a uh, regular contributor to the SC Playbook Networks through my uh, weekly subscriber articles, um, The Final Word, and uh, also some appearances on the podcast from time to time over the last few years. But uh, obviously now Timmy's hit the big time with the podcast. It's now a vodcast on YouTube and myself being based in uh, little old Rocky in Queensland, I haven't been able to make a, an appearance on the potty this year. And so Timmy has given me my own show. So we'll see how I go with it here. It's just me by myself. So I might be a bit of an echo chamber, but we're going to work on it. We're going to build it up and hopefully it'll be an interesting show and fill a bit of a gap for those listeners out there that love the uh, super coach content and, uh, hanging out for something on a Sunday night or Monday morning when you're driving to work and uh, I'm going to talk about all the games uh, from the round just gone and uh, talk about it from a super coach point of view but also from a footy point of view so uh, now Timmy said to me I've got to give a bit of a background about myself uh, obviously you know that I've played super coach for a while it's been about 10 years now so Really love my super coach and, um, you know, ha- had differing results over the years, but a um, couple of top 500s and obviously 2019 is, is uh, well, not exactly my crowning glory because I finished second, but, yeah, it was, um, it was the best year that I've had and um, really good good times to, to remember that and sort of a good experience to look back on and that type of thing and made some great mates in um, Desi Creek and Timmy and the uh, super coach spy Obviously, um, really good and adds to Rusi. So just a really good network of blokes. So uh, so a bit about myself um, from a footy point of view. Uh, I played a bit of footy at school. Uh, I went to St. Brennan's College, which is sort of a renowned breeding ground for NRL players, actually. So Dave Taylor, Benny Hunt, uh, Corey Oates, uh, Harry Grant. Yeah, so as, well, as far back as, you know, Julian O'Neill and, um, Shane Martini and, and that sort of stuff. So there's there's been a lot of players come out of St. Brennan's College. So I played, played some good footy at school and really enjoyed it. And I have played since I was four and came out of school and played played 35 games um, or thereabouts of um, Q Cup uh, for the local team, the Capras. 
uh, when I was 17, 18, and 19. And then, unfortunately, um, yeah, the injury bug hit. I, I had an ACL. I uh, did an ACL on both knees, actually. So um, not at the same time, but, um, yeah, did, did my knee and then came back and did my other knee, and that pretty much slowed me down. So um, I have had that background of, of sort of playing at that level just um, just below the NRL and, and sort of which is a little bit higher level with the coaches and, and things like that and the systems that you get exposed to. So uh, that's where a bit of my knowledge comes from rugby league-wise. Also, uh, after my injuries, um, I got into coaching really young and I was lucky enough to coach a lot of, a lot of young junior rep sides um, in the CQ area and, and worked in development. Uh, so And come across, you know, and had a bit to do with players like Caelan Ponger and, and Ruben Cotter and Benny Hunt and Cam Munster. So that's uh, enough about me. Let's uh, get on to the show. So this is the SC Playbook Weekly Wrap for NRL Round 7. So we're going to look at, first of all, the Dolphins versus the Rabbitohs. Um, from an NRL point of view, I just thought the uh, Dolphins came out with a great game plan. They had that focus of uh, keeping the ball in play, which we know the Rabbitohs, they really like set starts. So they were just keeping the ball in play uh, for as long as they could and really putting pressure on the Rabbitohs by kicking it down to Tane Milne, uh, putting up those high balls and getting really, really good kick chase and putting some pressure on him. And I think they had a result or two. But worst case scenario is Tane would be catching the ball under a lot of pressure and then it really negated the returns for Latrell say so he didn't really do that much in the first half because of that, because of the Dolphins' great um great game plan there. I thought South's response was pretty solid. You know, like they're a quality team, South. They're a top four side, and they stood up um, through that period. And to be honest, they were really getting on top of the game. But then the turning point of the game was obviously the Kenny Bromwich hit. Uh, where he got Sinbin, you know, I thought he was a bit lucky not to get sent off. Um, he's a he's a pretty wily old veteran, uh, Kenny Bromwich. He sort of like got up a bit dazed, you know. I'm I'm a bit hurt as well. I don't know what happened, but realistically, if you have a look at it, um, he hit a player direct contact to the head with his shoulder, and the player the ball was nowhere near it. So um, I think he'll be having a couple of weeks on the sideline, and a 12 man defensive line to the Rabbitohs. They've got it two weeks in a row now. Uh, they just teed off. And they, and then, like, full credit to them, they, they are very, very good uh, when they get those situations. But to get to get it two weeks in a row has been really, really beneficial for those super coaches who stacked their side uh, with the Rabbitohs players. You know, Campbell Graham, uh, obviously Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker, uh, they've just had an outstanding two weeks. So uh, good work by them. Campbell Graham, 73. Cody Walker, 106, and uh, Latrell Mitchell, who was captain for a few people as well, 121. Uh, certainly helped by those sin bins, but uh, you've got to take your chances. You can only play what's in front of you, so well done. Uh, in terms of the Kenny Bromwich sin bin, I think he will get a couple of weeks, and that might affect uh, Lemuelu positively because he's really essentially a, a left-side back rower. He's been playing on the right side because obviously Kenny has um, seniority, uh, but they have been playing Kenny in the middle a little bit as well. But uh, Kafusi comes back to that right side edge, and I imagine that if Kenny has a couple of weeks off, Lemuelu moves over to the left edge, and um, he's very, very effective there. Um, really one to watch, but um, it's probably 
you know, if, unless it's a real long-term suspension for Kenny, which I don't think it will be, uh, it, it's probably not a play, but it's just something to keep an eye on. Isaiah Katoa, 39. I think owners will be pretty happy with that. Like, he's not a big super coach scorer. He's just a solid player in his first year. He's grinding it out. Um, but, you know, due to Dewey and uh, Adam Dewey's injury and, and Josh Schuster being out um, again, that a lot of owners had to play him. So I think they would have taken 39 before the game, so not too bad. The Hammer, 41, which is pretty good. No attacking stats, just pure base. So um, I don't, I think the knock on the Hammer, he's definitely a different player than he was the last couple of years. So if you've got the Hammer, I'd probably hang on to him the way they're playing. Jermaine Asako, he's been outstanding. He's got to be in career best form, just kicking everything. He's just goal kicking, so accurate. He's running hard, he's fast, he's elusive, and he can finish finish tries as well. So Jermaine Osaka is a great pickup. I don't think many have him, but well done to those that do. Uh, Jacob Host, I know a few, a few of the boys in their C playbook traded in Jacob Host. They probably would have been pretty happy with him. He had a, came in with a minus 14 break even um, and put up a respectable around the 50 mark. So, um, yeah, it's a solid play. Like, you, you know, make a bit of money off him, injury cloud over Kaloa, although I did hear uh, uh, Jason Demetrio say after the game that he felt like he probably wouldn't miss any time. Um, they just kept him off because of the blowout nature of the game. So uh, it certainly would help host if Kaloa Tungi had some time out. Last two there, we had uh, Jeremy Marshall King. Don't sleep on JMK. He is definitely a solid second option in the hooker position. Plays the first and third by round, so that's something to take into consideration. Scored 70-plus. Obviously, that try helps. But, uh, yeah, definitely a realistic alternative to Marnie and Egan. So, like, when you look at Marnie, you're thinking, well, the Bulldogs, like, they're just riddled with injury. Like, how many points, attacking points can Marnie get? Although I think he's playing really good footy. Uh, probably not not his best game today, but also Egan. I mean, there's just too many concussions, question marks around him. So if you're looking for a really good uh, second hooker, then JMK's definitely it. You have to pay up for him a bit, though. Uh, Tom Gilbert, solid 50-plus score for owners. He's just about peak now, but he's not going to really hurt you. I don't think he's going to lose a heap of money or make a heap of money. I think he'll just sit around those, you know, 50 to 65 scores unless he jags a try or a line break. So, yeah, definitely um, Tommy Gilbert. Yeah, fair. He's a he's a, um, he's a hold for owners. Okay, on to the Sharks and Roosters. Uh, okay, so, yeah, strange sort of game. Roosters fought back from 8-0 uh, down to lead 12-8 at halftime. Uh, despite terrible discipline, like they were giving away penalties from the start of the game, um, and then the Sinbin to Nat Butcher for the hip drop, and by the end of the game, the Roosters finished with three Sinbins. So um, the one at the end was sort of inconsequential, really. That was just Radley. Um, I think he was trying to he was trying to hold the player down. Uh, as a professional foul to get a challenge in. And uh, Tedesco was talking about it at the press conference. And then because they thought the rule had changed, and I, and I sort of thought the same thing as what Robinson and Tedesco did, that the rule had changed where you could hold them down at any stoppage in play, uh, you could challenge. But then I saw it twice this weekend where teams did it deliberately and they didn't let them challenge. So 
yeah, the, the NRL may have to come out with some clarity around that because I, I felt like that had changed. But anyway, they had the three sin bins. Obviously, the Brandon Smith one, uh, that was just, yeah, direct contact to the head. You can't do that anymore. And the discipline was really the, the story of the game for the Roosters. Um, you know, in terms of the sin bins, I've seen a lot of social media stuff and, and you know, there's been a lot of chat about, oh, you know, the sin bins are ruining the game. I, I have a different opinion on it. I feel like, you know, it's been pretty clearly stipulated what you can and can't do in games. And, you know, if players are breaking those rules, particularly from a player safety point of view, so like direct contact to the head or hip drops or, you know, whatever, that sort of stuff, I think they're fair. And I think it's the players that need to change. And um, I think the NRL's on the right track trying to make the game safer. And and um, I really think that that the way that they're doing it, that they're not really ruining the spectacle of the game. It's just going to make teams um, pick up their discipline, hopefully, and uh, we'll get more games. There was there was games without Simbins this this round, and that means that those teams, um, you know, they were able to keep their discipline and and stay on the field. So I think that's fair. Uh, Cronulla, very, really impressive resilience and resolve. I felt from Cronulla. I thought when it was a bit of an arm wrestle there, I felt like that Cronulla were going to break. Uh, you know, I think Hines threw like a couple of four, like a forward pass, or made a couple of decisions where which were questionable. But they hung on in defence, um, and then Nico Hines just took over. He was just outstanding. When the game was on the line, they they really exposed the Roosters on the short sides, which will be something that um, I certainly think that other teams will look at. But you know, you've got to have the pace and skill of Nico Hines to come from behind the ruck and really attack them on a short side. But he did that and set up the, the winning try there for Braley. Um, in terms of Supercoach scores, there wasn't too much relevant there. I mean, Brandon Smith got a try. He, he's looking good, Brandon Smith, but it's pretty clear now that the Roosters are, are going to play him limited minutes, similar to what he played in Melbourne, uh, sometimes he'll come off the bench. Sometimes he'll start on. Um, he's going to rely on attacking stats to get himself over fifty. So I don't really think he's overly that relevant at this stage, but he's one to keep an eye on for later in the year. Uh, Nico, eighty-one. Oh, what can you say? You know, elite NRL player, elite super coach player. He just seems to accumulate super coach points. So. Anyone who doesn't have him now, you know, probably needs to really pull the trigger and get him in because, I mean, it seems like his baseline in games is, you know, 75, 90, and uh, we, we all know he can go way bigger than that. So, Teddy, what's going on? Uh, I guess, you know, first game back for a while, a 42 in a dower affair at Shark Park's not too bad, but, I mean... Owners, if there's still still any uh, people out there listening that are own Teddy, they, they will really be uh, scratching their heads and wondering what's going on. I mean, he's been something like in the top five super coach scorers over the last five years or something ridiculous like that. So he's always been up there. Um, so he's he's definitely had a quiet start in terms of his lofty uh, super coach standards. So definitely keep an eye on, on Teddy. But at the moment, there's probably better options out there. We're looking at Latrell, we're looking at Walsh, Miller, um, and, of course, Turbo. Uh, Wilton, I'll just, just a note on Wilton, you know, 60-plus score. He's been a solid option for owners. He's, uh, five out of his six scores have gone 60-plus. 
to start the season. So I don't think you'd ask for much more. He hasn't really gone higher than that 70 mark. Um, but his other score, so five out of his six were 60 plus, and then um, his other score was 51. So I don't think you can really complain about that if you uh, if you jumped on Teague Wilton at the start and, and you've stuck with him. Okay, the second game on Friday night. Manly Seagulls first the uh, Melbourne Storm. Wow, that was an ambush from Manly. They came out really hard, really early at home, and uh, and with a little bit of wet weather, it affected the scoring abilities of both sides. The Storm were definitely off. They they played two really really good weeks of footy, and they just you just started thinking, oh my god, how good could this Storm side be? Uh, but funnily enough. They sort of really missed Meany. Um, it put him out of whack a little bit. I think, uh, you know, Peasant's been good, but I think in hindsight they probably wouldn't have moved Munster from 5'8", but they don't really have a lot of options at fullback. I know in the past, um, you know, they've tried Wishart and all that, and they mustn't have anyone coming through in the juniors, although I felt like they had they had someone in the lower grades who was quite impressive, but obviously Bellamy... He does like players to really, really earn that first grade debut, and he and uh, he went with the young fella. And a wet game really didn't suit young Peasant. And Munster really never got going as well. It was sort of a stop-start affair. Really, really scrappy game. Uh, I think it was the worst that I've seen Harry Grant's service out of dummy half. So obviously the wet ball was really, really affecting him. Another thing I really noticed from an NRL point of view and, you know, possibly an origin point of view as well is Xavier Coates' starts to the sets were terrible. Um, that's got to be a massive concern for the Storm and Queensland origin if they're looking at him for a winger spot because he he just brought the ball back and he was way too upright in his runs and he just got dominated. He got lifted, he got pushed back, and the Storm had no territory at all. And a lot of it was down to those starts of the sets. They were really, really poor, um, and they had no go forward early in sets. I mean, like, Nelson Asofa-Solomon is going to make a big difference to that when he comes back. So that's that's obviously a big one. But I do think Meany has a little bit to do with that as well. He, he's he got pretty decent carries. He's elusive when he gets to the line and, you know, can find his front and, and generate a bit of momentum as well. But um, it was really, really noticeable, Xavier Coates, in that game. Uh, it, it probably didn't help also. Like, I mean, Olam is, is a really good carry out of trouble as well, but didn't help that he sat out for 25 minutes. He had 15 minutes out for HIA after that massive hit from El- Ola Kawatu. Oh, geez, that rattled him to his bones. And you don't see that too often with uh, Justin Olam. And then uh, 10 minutes for the Sinbin, which was just silly. Like, that just summed up, you know, the storm and, and where they were at that night. They, they never make – they never really – uh, make decisions like that, like silly sort of dumb decisions. Uh, full credit to Manly, though. They, they, you know, they fixed some uh, defensive deficiencies that they had and they were really enthusiastic at home. Um, they're going to be tough to, to beat at home this year, you know, especially DCE and Turbo were just – their energy levels were really high early on and the middles like Paseca and Alloy A just really mixed it up with the Storm middle early on, so – well done to Manly. Um, so looking at the Supercoach relevant scores, Turbo 57 with a try. wasn't his best. It was a wet game. But the good thing for owners is um, he looked free in his running action, particularly the first run of the game I was really impressed with. So um, bring on the 4 p.m. Sunday game versus the Tigers. Hopefully a dry track. 
geez, he'd have to be a captaincy option, you'd think. Uh, Munster, 39, not ideal, particularly for me who brought him in. Uh, so um, I'm comfortable having Munster at 5'8". I feel comfortable. I, I had to pay up for him, but, um, you know, I had Nia Cora sitting there suspended and I probably wasn't going to keep him, so I got rid of him and then Dewey's out for the season. So... Um, it's not too bad. I'm happy with Munster and I'm happy to, to be with him until, uh, you know, Origin and buys come in come into effect there. So uh, back to 5'8 next week, hopefully, with Meany back. Uh, Harry Grant, 31. Yeah, probably one of his worst games. Pretty decent call by the super coach spy um, to any pod. And I know a number of blokes jumped on with him because they respect the spy's opinion. Um, on a one-week sample, it looked like an awesome call, but in saying that, like Marnie, 37, pending updates, I mean, that's who most people uh, would have gone for him. Uh, yeah, in my opinion, Harry's easily the number one player in that position, so I'm happy to have him, and you know he's capable of going 120-plus any game, so he'll really benefit from Nass being back, and it's a bounce-back game for them against the Warriors uh, on Anzac Day next Tuesday. So Warbrick 65, yeah, he started slow for owners, but uh, he's definitely repaying the faith for those who stuck with him. So well done. I like him. He, he's got a strong carry, good finisher. Welsh, over 50, looks like a solid front row uh, forward option. You know, for those looking for that second front row forward option, you know, he's a solid sort of 45 to 60 player. So uh, Eliasa Katoa, this is the big one. So is it time to cash him in? He's made a heap of money for our owners. Uh, it's hard to know because, like, he looks so good and he still hasn't scored a try. So you think that he's due a try. So do you hold him for a little bit longer um, and maybe lose a bit of money on him? Or, you know, do you say to yourself, well, maybe he's a keeper for the year? Or, you know, if you have a bit of spare money there or you want to downgrade someone in another position – do you go up to uh, a more stable, a more upside option like a Dave Fafida or a Ryan Madison? That's probably the question. So there might be some more pending trades there, so it won't have to be a decision, but we'll see what happens. Warriors versus Cowboys. What about the Waz? How good. I was up and about, I can tell you that, on Saturday. It was outstanding. Andrew Webster, the Messiah. Uh, he seems to uh, really have unlocked the Warriors and their recruitment over the last few years. Uh, you know, of players like Dylan Walker, Mitch Barnett, Tamari Martin, Wade Egan, Metcalf, like all those blokes are just really, really solid buys. Now, most of them are out injured. That's the, that's the ridiculous nature of this. The, the, the Warriors are going that good um, on the back of just a resilient mindset um, and just how much belief they have in their systems and their fitness. You can't give up the first try of all these games the way that they have and then come out and just win these games. I know in that game, like um, Adam Fenor Blake got the first try, um, but you just can't start games that slow and then come back and win all these games. And that game against the Cronulla Sharks last week, is just it's just unreal, like what they're doing a couple of weeks ago. Sorry. Uh, the Cowboys, on the other hand, geez, they look out of form. They're bereft of ideas and attack when Scotty Drinkwater's not involved. Um, they just had so much ball, enough ball to win two or three games. It was ridiculous for anyone who watched that game. But they just couldn't get the job done. They they don't seem to use Val Holmes 
as their main strike weapon, not nearly as much as they should. Yeah, I'd say the Heat's really on Toddy Payton and this team. Like, um, in some ways, it's, it's not surprising uh, because they surprised everyone last year and this year. Like, they're not as much of a surprise, so everyone's ready for him. Or also the reliance on kick tries. Like, I've always felt like in the history of rugby league, that's that's fickle from year to year. I remember, like, going way back for those older people, um, Tim Smith, uh, uh, a halfback for the Eels. He got Rookie of the Year in 2005, and he still holds the record for most try assists in a season. I think it was 40. So um, Parramatta were favourites for the comp, but they got bundled out in an upset to the Cowboys, and they went on to lose to the Tigers in that famous um, Benji Flick Pass grand final. A lot of try, uh, Smith's tries, Timmy Smith's tries that year were off kicks because he was a phenomenal kicker in general play. But I just don't think it stands up in big games. And that's why the Cowboys this year, and to a lesser degree the Broncos a little bit, chances of ultimate success at the end of the year are a little bit questionable in my opinion. So um, that's just something to bear in mind. That's that's just my opinion. All uh, right, let's have a look at some of the relevant Supercoach scores. Josh Curran, 75. I think it's. I think there's a little bit of trap about uh, Joshy Curran, so I wouldn't bite into that. You've got Neocora coming back. You've got Barnett coming back. Attacking-wise, he's outstanding. Um, you know, Supercoach owners know and love that. He, he gets to run off uh, SJ on that lethal right side. But there's a reason why Curran started on the bench and out of the squad uh, in Webster's side. For the Warriors at the start of the year, and that's his defence, and you saw that. Um, and I think that it's inevitable that he's probably going to go back to the bench when Barnett and Neocora return from injury. I could be wrong. I hope he fixes up that defence, but uh, he certainly gave up that try pretty easily to Cotter on the weekend. Tohu, solid, 63. Um, I'd love to get him back as my second to, uh, front row forward, but I had to trade him out when he got injured earlier in the season, but it'll be something I'll look, look to down the track. Montoya, 66, oh, looked unreal at left centre. Uh, just massive right-hand palm. Like, you don't see that very often, but, geez, he is a strong human and he's very, very hard to tackle. So, yeah, it's interesting to see he, he uh, beat Vailami Vaia. Uh, I don't know if I said that right, actually, but uh, out for a spot. But, yeah, he's certainly one to watch um, if he keeps up that sort of scoring. Ford, 40, was a bit of an off game for um, Jackson Ford. Made a few errors. He wasn't as potent in attack um, as he'd been in previous games. But Ford's acceptable, you know, so you, you can cop that. Val Holmes, uh, oh, he's in my side. I'm, I'm hanging on to him. I'm, I'm just, you know, playing through. I don't know why, but uh, he's just, like, typically a brilliant try out of nowhere off a drinky kick, but just look frustrated by the lack of clean ball. He's just their main strike weapon, and he's just not getting any clean ball. Um, drinky, 49. You know, as always, Drinky's risk-reward, but I don't think he's as relevant this year with so many good options at fullback. So, um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say I wouldn't worry about Drinky. Okay, on to the Knights and Panthers. That was a pretty surprisingly low-scoring game. Uh, not in the fact that the Knights were kept to... 15 points, but just the fact that they were able to keep the Panthers to 16 points, their, their defence hasn't been anything like as good as it was on the weekend this year. But they're scrappy. The Knights and they're resilient. They've they're got a little bit of the Warriors look about them this year as well. So I felt sorry for them a bit uh, getting beaten at the end, but too good. Clearly it was just too good. Um, and he's clutch. Uh, Hastings has been really good for him. He's not really super coach relevant, but their forward packs are also really standing up. And I think it helps when you've got – 
you know, a back three of Miller, Marju, and Dom Young. Yeah, they might have some, you know, those wingers might have some defensive deficiencies, but tell you what, that carries back out of trouble. It makes your starts of the set so much better. They're just, they're a formidable back three um, in attack. So uh, they generate plenty of momentum for their attacking sets. Uh, Leo Thompson, 43, not bad. Kurt Mann was one that raised a few eyebrows, um, particularly got a bit of attention over social media. But there might have been a, a bit of an injury there, but 67 all in base. Keep an eye on that. I wouldn't bring him in straight away. Croslin, a few people brought him in. They'd be pretty happy with the uh, grubber through for the try. Got him up to a 50-plus score, but I'm not sure about his viability long-term or whether he's a play, to be honest, but good luck to you. Uh, Marju, 42, that's more than acceptable in a low-scoring game. Uh, he's going to get some big scores, definite hold for owners. Sonny Luke, probably the worst game I've seen him play. Um, you know, he's he's erratic, which is really – he stands out like dogs balls in that Penrith side because, like, they are such a skilled um, – you know, really the only erratic player they really had was semi-erratic player was Luai. But uh, he's so erratic and, um, yeah, like he, he just sort of plays what's in front of him and off the cuff. And it might help him down the track, but he's got to hone it in a little bit. Now, Taruva didn't see much ball. Could be trade-out time. Could be trade-out time for Sonia Taruva. Hosking, 62. Solid as a rock. Uh, without any attacking stats, um, I'll take that every day of the week. And um, I noticed um, in the press conference, uh, Ivan Cleary, basically talked about how he'd won that spot. So for anyone, you know, there's been a constant dialogue about, oh, Garner's coming back and all this sort of thing. But I think he's won that spot. I think he's solid. And I think um, Nathan Cleary loves him playing outside him. So you can stick with him. Also the fact that Liam Martin might have re-injured that hamstring injury or that leg injury that he had. Um, It doesn't sound good. So I'll stay posted on that one. Uh, Tyro, 67, uh, he, he's not really at his typical tackle-busting best this year. He's not as probably involved as he could be, but you could see him tearing off. He could go through, go on a run, so that's pretty good. Okay, Titans and the Bronx. Um, Titans were very good early in the game. Basically on the back of Mo Fodawaka, he just served it up to the Broncos forward, just really ripped in. I felt like the Titans were way on top. I think it was like 14-4 or 14-6. And then right at the end of the first half, Jaden Campbell just went for an all-or-nothing play, that kick over the top. And you really felt like it didn't have much risk to it, even if it didn't come off. But the only thing that could have happened happened that ended up bad for the Titans, which was Reese Walsh charged it down and deflected into Marty to pay hands and he passed it on to uh, Herbie Farmworth and he ran 70 metres. So I was pretty unlucky and I felt like a few of the tries from the Bronx were fairly fortuitous um, and streaky, you could say. But in the end of the day, like once they started to open up and Reese Walsh ran against tired players, they really just had their foot on the throat there. So Tino got 10 in the bin, um, which was a bit dubious, but... Yeah, Reese Walsh. I mean, like at late in the game, past the sixty-minute mark, he's just out. He's just outstanding. You just got to keep an eye on him, and he's definitely um, provided for for owners one hundred and one at his electric best. Um, you just got to keep him. You just got to keep him while he's doing that. Payne Haas. Jeez, I question whether he's human sometimes. Seventy-six, and he played something like sixty-two minutes straight in a game that was a frenetic pace in the middle. Like it was ridiculously fast 
but he's just a machine and he keeps turning up. Like, yeah, he might have, like, got a bit lax in defence and they were making a few more metres, but he, he still did his job. It wasn't really noticeable. He wasn't out on his feet. He must have unbelievable cardio, that bloke. So Cam Pereira, 63. Jeez, he's quick. <laughs> if, if you played him, you would have been watching right till the end and uh, pretty happy with that finish because it looked like the game was over. But you give him an inch on the outside and he will burn you. Uh, he's great to watch with the ball in hand, but he's he's sort of like the ultimate rocks and diamonds player. He's earning some great cash for owners, but have a look at his uh, break even this week because he may be a, tra- a, a trade-out. It might be time to get off the roller coaster of AKP. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Dave Fafita, 82. He is probably playing the best footy I've ever seen him play. And I saw it when he came out the last couple of weeks and he's just hitting blokes underneath the ball, really clean defensive work, which he's never really done. He's never been a great defender in my opinion, but he's really worked on his game. And in attack, he's really benefiting from playing outside Kieran Foran. Um, To me, he's got to be a huge chance of playing State of Origin, a huge chance of playing State of Origin. So um, on a super coach level, I mean, for those people that have him, he's delivered at value. So you buy a high price to RF, and he's basically delivering to value. Not too much above value, but definitely not below value. So you've got to be happy with that. Uh, Tanner Boyd, 50. You know, he's, he's been goal kicking pretty well. I'm not sure if many still own him. They might have got off him because uh, he was a bit bit dodgy at the start of the year. But Tanner Boyd, pretty good. Uh, not a, the, so the last two games, so Raiders versus Dragons. I haven't got much to say about this one. It wasn't a bad game to watch. I mean, the first half was fairly uh, uneventful. Uh, neither team really set the ground alight with uh, attacking play. But I feel like both teams are probably going to be bottom nine teams. But both teams are capable of beating any other team on their day uh, if the other team's off or if they get a game style to suit. Like uh, Canberra don't have a lot of points in them. Um, and I yeah, like they, they just really, really struggle to put points on. Um, but I will say Matt Tomoko, he's, he's uh, Timokor, is fast becoming like probably one of the best attacking weapons in the NRL, just like individual brilliance. He, he was outstanding. And every time he runs, he looks really, really hard to handle. St. George Dragons, geez, it'd be tough to be a supporter of them. It's just, it's just really hard to watch. They, they don't have a, they, they just don't have a lot of smart players. Too many bonehead plays and too much reliance on Ben Hunt. And you just see the pressure on his shoulders all the time. At the end of the games, it's just like pass it to Honey, and he's got to be the person that makes the big play. And I just think it's really tough on him. But anyway, he's doing his best there. So I honestly could only find one relevant. Super coach player in that whole game, and that was uh, Joey Tappany, uh, 49 before updates. So, pretty solid. He's a close watch for your second to uh, front row forward option. Uh, if you have if you have that much cash to spend on the position, you should have Haas, but I'll uh, see how you go. Eels best Bulldogs. I uh, caught this one before I just come into the potty. Um, yeah, I thought the Bulldogs were gutsy to stay in it for as long as they did. They had some injury problems, they're riddled with injuries. Um, the Eels were sort of un- unimpressive apart from a few bursts of attack that they had, but in the end they did a good job and they racked up a bit of a score on, on, on the Bulldogs. But, yeah, the the Dogs, again, they, they struggled to score. They've got a lot of injuries. Um, the Karaz injury was pretty 
pretty unlucky and it was a real shame for owners. I'm an owner. I mean, what can you do? Like, I had the same thing a couple of weeks ago with Garrick um, or last week, I think it was, but uh, just crucial. Um, you know, I was in a lot of head-to-heads and then all of a sudden Carraz goes down and I'm just no chance. Um, on top of that, <laughs> Cartwright got benched and he didn't have much of a game either. So I think the Cardi party is officially over. He might be a trade-out, Cardi, but uh, Madison on the right edge, outstanding. Uh, he's a bit like Dave Fafita. He, if you if you're going to pay up for him, he's probably going to give you value. He's not going to give you too much more than value. So he's not. He's just a player that you you get to and you go lock him in for the whole season. And uh, if he scores to his value, then you know you're getting you're getting that value with him. But he he certainly had a great game today. Hopgood starting in the middle, fifty three pending updates. I think if you've held him. He's solid. He's going to get those 45 to 60 scores, maybe with a few games where he throws in a few offloads and things like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, whether they leave Matto on the edge because, um, yeah, he was he was pretty impressive, Matto on the edge. So we'll see. Hopgood, you know, like I'd hang on to him unless you've got some money to upgrade to, say, like a Dave Fafita or a Madison. Uh, Cardi, yeah, he's, he's, he's done. He's gone. Uh, he's a trade out as soon as you can. So missed a really bad tackle on Burton too when he came on him, and we know that's his weakness. So he's done his job for owners. I think he's made over two hundred k. So that's a tick. Uh, but get him out of your side as soon as you can, in my opinion. Uh, TPJ, geez, he was off the chain, offloading just like at the start of the game with reckless abandon. Um, his first stint was great. Second stint, oh, geez, not as good. So it gave you, like, it was four seasons in one day with uh, TPJ. Um, and, I, like, what I'd say is, you know, when they read those horse uh, f- horse form analysis and they say take on trust, yeah, well, take on trust with TPJ. And if you trust him, then, honestly, you've got a very low level of trust. So um, you're definitely a more trusting individual than I am. Uh, Preston was great. He's just... You know, genuine edge forward, attacking threat, 60 before updates, and uh, really a shining light for the struggling doggy side. Marnie, probably not his best performance, but he'll get 37. He might update to 40. So in terms of a head-to-head with Grant, I mean, he's got the win there, but uh, I think Grant's got a lot more upside to him. Dylan Brown didn't seem to do much at all, uh, but still punched out a 58 before updates. Um, 18 of those were from forced dropouts, mind you, so... Uh, but it wasn't really a, a Brown sort of game. Like Dylan Brown's a bit like Munster. He excels when there's a tougher sort of game. So uh, certainly one to, to keep an eye on there. Sean Lane, he's just not getting the attacking sets yet. But um, if you're thinking about bringing him in, uh, you're just going to have to find the right patch where he goes on a run of try scoring or setting up tries and things like that. I don't think now's the time with the new center on the left side. So it's just a sit and watch for me. Right, that brings us to the end of our games. I mean, looking forward to my trades for my team next week. I mean, on the chopping block, I've got Taruva, Khan Pereira, Cartwright, and Eliezer Katoa. Maybe, that's a maybe. He's probably going to survive it. Um, and the possible trade-ins, I'm looking at getting a quality 2RF. So do I go with a Dave Fafita or Ryan Madison to really shore up, you know, a quality 2RF and, and then and maybe trade out one of those um, CTWs like a Taruva, Khan Pereira, um, to a cheapie uh, to fund that. So that's what I'm looking at. Well, that's it, team. Uh, that's the uh, SC Playbook Weekly Wrap for Round 7 of the NRL. Uh, this is a work in progress, so 
really, this is the base of where we come from to start with. Let us know. Is it too long? Is it too short? Um, let us know on the SC Playbook socials what sort of contact you want to hear on this podcast, and we'll build on it from, from here. Uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 